may be seated if you can. Well, good morning, Tri-Cities Church. Y'all look beautiful as always. Let me just say a few things before we jump into week seven of this series. I want to just give a shout out uh, to the worship team, to the tech team, to the people downstairs, uh, all those who helped the week of Easter, who came in on the uh, planning day to, to spruce up the building, all those who serve, anybody that had anything to do with anything that happens at Tri-City Church from the beginning till this day, let me just publicly say thank you. Last week, uh, it was incredible, and incredible was sort of, sort of does an injustice, so I just want to catch you up to date. Uh, last week, we decided to do two services. We invited the community to come out for Easter, and between the two services, there were 330 people. Can we give God some praise for that? And more importantly than that, there are a number of people who indicated they don't have a church home, and so we're continuing to work with them so they can be a part of this family. But also, last week, because of you, because of your prayers, because of your faithful giving, because of your service, we had two people for the first time commit to become Christ followers and to be baptized. We were going to do it today, but ironically, both of them were not available today because they're out of town. But we did have two people who heard the gospel last week who says, I want some of that. Can we give God some praise for that? And that is why we do what we do. And so continue to pray for our community as we reach out to people and try to present them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we continue to work with those who want to become a part of this church. All right, so let's jump down uh, into week seven. If this is your first time with us, thank you for joining us. My name is Lamar. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, And this is your first time. There's something in front of you in the seat called a connection card. And I want to encourage you to fill that out. Give us some information about yourself. And if this is your first, second, third time, or you never filled out one of these and you're a guest, fill it out. And then on your way out, stop at the next steps area in the back there with the sign. And you'll receive a free gift for joining us today just for us to say that we appreciate that you are joining us. And so we are in week seven of a series called Seven. And it's been a journey of questions that Jesus has asked people in the Bible. And we started off this series saying that it's okay to have questions for God. I know some of us, maybe we grew up in church where we were told, don't question God. Can I just tell you, all throughout the Bible, God tells us to bring our questions to him. As a matter of fact, who else are you going to ask that knows everything? And so we said that, well, it's okay to ask God questions. What happens when God has a question for you? What happens when Jesus has a question? And so uh, on the first week of this series, we said that Jesus actually hardly ever answers a question with a question. As a matter of fact, there are probably three times, maybe a little bit more that I found where Jesus actually directly answered a question with an answer. And that's because that's how they were trained in those days, because they wanted to make sure that we were thinking that God has questions for us. And not only should we question and have questions for God, but what happens when God has a question for you? What's our answer going to be? And so over the last several weeks, we looked at just a few of the questions that Jesus asked and how those questions might transform your life. And so I'm going to encourage you, if you have a smartphone, go to the iTunes podcast store, download the, the, or subscribe to the podcast, listen to those. You can also go on the website. And in a few days, uh, probably by next week, we'll have our mobile app up and ready to go. And so you'll also be able to catch all the podcasts and all the information on the church on there. And I'll keep you informed in that. So we are in week seven of a series called Seven. And I want to just jump down and read the scripture first, 
And then I want to go back and kind of walk us in through it. So John chapter 21, if you have your smartphone or your Bible, you can click to or turn to John 21, 15 through 18. Here's what it reads. John chapter 21, verses 15 through 18. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. And Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Verse 17, a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Verse 18, I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you like. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. And so I want to just start off with a simple statement and then we'll get into the question. But I want to start with a simple statement because I think it's important to say this up front when we're talking about our faith journey and our faith walk here's a simple statement if you don't remember anything else remember this if you limit your love you will limit your own life do you love me jesus asked peter there's a story of a guy who was dating a young woman and he decided after a few years of dating that he wanted to propose to her and so he wanted to talk to his father first, so he went and asked, said his father, said, uh, I need to talk to you about something. Let's sit down and have a conversation. And his father said, sure. And they sat down, and he says, well, what's on your mind, son? He says, well, I think uh, I'm ready to propose to my girlfriend. I think that it's time for us to, to get engaged because uh, I, really, I really love her, Dad. And so the father said, that's great, but let me just ask you one question. How is it that you know that you love her? Good question. So the son thought about it for a while, and he says, well, the, the last time, the reason why I know I love her is the last time that I dropped her off after taking her on a date, and I dropped her off, and we walked her through the front door, and I went to kiss her goodnight, and all of a sudden, the door opened, and a dog ran out and bit me in the butt. He says, but I didn't feel anything until I got home. Some of y'all just missed that. See, love has that way of covering up all the hurt and all the pain. That's the sort of love that God gives us. That's the sort of love that the Bible talks about when it says that love covers a multitude of sin. How do I know that I love her? Because in the face of something that's extraordinarily painful, it lessened the pain. And Jesus asked Peter a simple question. That's our question this morning. Do you love me? Like, I know, that, I know that you know by now, if you've been here for the seven weeks, I know that you know by now that I love you, but my question is, do you love me? And really, the question has to be that we got to kind of start here. How do we learn to love? I don't know if we think about that, but can I just ask you a question, and maybe you can just answer to yourself. You don't have to answer out loud. Who or what taught you how to love? 
Like really, who taught you how to love? Who taught you what it's like to love? And how do you demonstrate love? Who taught you how to love? And everybody in here has a different example. Maybe it was your parents. Maybe it was your father or your mother. You watched them. Or maybe it was a pastor. Maybe you read something. But all of us have been taught how to love. And if we're not careful, maybe the way that we love is not the way that maybe Jesus is asking us to demonstrate our love for him. So let me ask you the question again. Who taught you how to love? Can I tell you sort of my first experience uh, in learning how to love, like a description of love? Y'all don't throw me out the church. Can I just tell you what I learned? I learned how to love by listening, watch me, 40 and over, to Al Green. I'm so, don't kick me out the church. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm so in love with you. Y'all know, don't look at me like you don't know that song. Whatever you want to do, come on, 40 and over, it's all right with me. Come on, sing it. Because you make me feel so brand new. All right, all right, all right, we in church. <laughs> I'm just trying to see. I'm giving a save check. I'm seeing who's really saved. <laughs> I'm taking notes who really saved up in here. Come on now, somebody taught us how to love. Like that song, I don't know what it did. It just, especially when it says, whatever you want to do is all right with me. And, and while I had so many great examples, but we, we got to really deal with this. Somebody, somewhere, something, some song, some person, some movie, some book taught us how to love. And Jesus has a question, do you love me? Because if you do, we got to deal with who taught you how to love. Where did you learn how to love? And maybe some of us didn't have those examples. So maybe I'm missing someone in my life or something in my life that taught me how to love. For me, it was Al. When he said, whatever you want to do is all right with me, I said, that's love right there. Because your boy don't like being told what to do. <laughs> and if I find myself wanting to do whatever you want to do, I love you. That's the truth right there, because you're like me. You don't want nobody telling you what to do. The question is, how do we learn how to love? There's a, a, a great study and a great book by Dr. Gary Chapman. Most of you all have heard this before. And when this came around several years ago, it sort of helped people to understand what expressions of love look like. You've heard of this before, the five love languages. When I do premarital counseling, we go through this because what we got to understand is the way that you receive love is not oftentimes the way that the person who you're with needs to receive love. And so not only do I need to learn how I love, but I need to learn how I need to love others. What is it that speaks of love to you? And Dr. Chapman says there are, there are five things. Let's see, maybe Maybe somebody in here has never done this before. Maybe you can pick up on your love language, how you need to be loved. He says, number one, there are words of affirmation. That in order to display love, many of us need to be affirmed. Some of us grew up where we didn't get affirmed, where people didn't tell us positive things. And maybe my love language is, if you want to show me that you love me, affirm me. Speak into my life. Say something positive about me. That doesn't mean you don't need to correct me, but say something that affirms me. Some of us, we never got that when we were younger. He says that there are people 
who need to be affirmed. There are also people, if you want to show them love, there are acts of service. You know who you are. People who you just want somebody to do something nice for you. You know, cook me a meal or help me clean up or help me fix something. Just do something, an act of service. You don't really have to say a whole lot. You don't have to buy me anything. But if you do something that is an act of service, that's how I know that you love me. Dr. Chapman says there are words of affirmation. There are acts of service. And for some people, I'm going to see who I got in the church this morning. Your love language is receiving gifts. See, nobody wants to say that. <laughs> Some of us, we feel loved when people give us stuff. That's okay. That's, that's, how you, that's how you need love demonstrated to you. If you're with somebody for five years and they never give you anything, he says, some of us, we just need to receive gifts. Here's another one. Last two. He says, some, for some of us, our love language is quality time. Spend time with me. Don't be so busy that you don't have time for me and the family and for the kids. Let's just sit next to each other and watch TV. Let's go to a movie. Let's have a date night. Let's do something. I need quality time. Most of us have children where this is their love language at the age that they're at. Just spend time with me, Daddy. Give me some quality time. The way that I know this, I know we don't have all the money in the world, but if you just come to my games. Then Dr. Chapman says, here's the last one, that some of us, the way that we receive love is physical touch. Those are those of us who love to hug and love to handshake and high five and we like to cuddle with our spouse. There's physical touch and so he says there are five different ways that people receive love but can I just tell you something? In this text Jesus asked a question to Peter that I want to ask to us this morning. Do you love me? And by the end of it Jesus told, tells us what his love language is. If you want me to know that you love me I'm going to tell you how you can show me. Because for most of us, let's be honest, our goal is to demonstrate to God our undying loyalty and our affection for God. We just sang how much God loves us, but sometimes God wants to ask you the question, do you love me? I know that you know I love you. I sent my son to die on the cross. We just celebrated it last week. There's no question whether or not I love you. I said you are to die for. Here's the question. The question is not, do, you, do I love you? The question is, do you love me? How can you show me that you love me? And Jesus asked Peter this simple question. He says, do you love me? That's kind of interesting because I think we need to maybe just pause there and put some emphasis on the me part. Do you love me? Yeah, yeah, me. Not, not the stuff that I can do for you. Because, you know, I discovered early on in my Christian walk, I was more in love with the idea of God than I was with God himself. So, so Jesus asked a critical question, and maybe it kind of slips past us, but the emphasis is on, do you love me? I know you've seen all the stuff I have done. Remember, we start off with week one. I'm going to bookend it now. Can you believe in me beyond how it benefits you? You remember that? So now I want to bookend it. Can you love me beyond how it benefits you? Is there something about this relationship where it's not just transactional, it's transformational? Is it not just the stuff, the miracles? The things that I've done, because I don't know if you know this, when Peter's 
relationship with Jesus started off, it started off with Jesus healing Peter's mother-in-law. Go back and read the Gospels. Even before Jesus asked the followers to follow him and he was teaching them to be fishers of men, Jesus had done something for Peter and that kind of sparked some interest and Peter followed him because he did something for him. And Jesus asked him, now that it's all over, I've been dead, I've risen from the dead. And if you read before what I just wrote, it says that they were fishing and they ran up on Jesus on the beach and he was having breakfast. He told them, come on guys, let's eat, bring some of that fish you caught. And then he pulls Peter to the side and asks him this question. Peter, out of all the people that ran away, Peter, out of all the disciples that turned their back, why was it that he asked Peter, do you love me? He didn't ask anybody else. He says, Peter, do you love me? I think maybe there's something there. He, he asked him, do you love me? See, in the Bible, there are several different Greek words for love. I don't want to bore you with all, this, with all this theology. I don't want to bore you with all this stuff that they made us learn when I was in seminary. But, but there's four specific kinds of love that I think we kind of have to get an idea because the way that Jesus asks is important when you understand how Peter responds. So, so number one, there, there's something called storge love. You, you see this? Uh, in English, it's all translated love. So remember a few weeks ago I said maybe one of our issues is it's not that we don't put love in all the wrong places, maybe our hearts are just so easily attracted to everything. And maybe that's why we only have one word for love. We only have one expression of love. I love everything from pizza to my wife and my kids. But, but, in, but in their days, they had different distinctions for love. One of them was storge. It's kind of a family love. It's a familial bond. It's because we're blood-related, but it can also be related to inanimate objects. That's why you can love stuff. You, you can love stuff and you can love family. That's storge love. And then there's, most of you heard this before, there's eros. That's romantic love. That's the kind of love between uh, couples. That's the kind of love between a man and a woman when they get married. Hopefully they keep it. That's eros. It's romantic love. But then there, there are a couple of words that are used that you find in this text. Most of you heard this before. There's, there's agape love. That is an unconditional love by choice. It is, this, it is this idea that it is this immeasurable and incomparable type of love. This is the type of love that is attributed in the New Testament to God and God alone. It is agape. It is unconditional. It is the kind of love that you can't measure. This is the kind of love that God gave when Jesus died on the cross. This is the kind of love when he says, I'd rather give up my son than to give up on you. It is agape love. It is unconditional. It is a type of love that is given to you even though you may never get it back. In some places, it says that it is sort of this reckless love. It is this love that is given away with no promise of getting it back. It is unconditional. It's, it's, it's agape love. It is immeasurable. It's incomparable. And then there's, in this conversation, what's called filial love. You all know that word. That's where we get the, ter the city Philadelphia. It means a fondness, a, a brotherly type love. It's the type of love that churches are supposed to have for one another. That's the type of love that we're supposed to have for one another. We purposely connect ourselves as brothers and sisters. That's where we get the word Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. There is that type of love where it's a fond affection. It is a bond between friends. Why is that important? Because there's an intent behind how Jesus asked Peter this question. Because Jesus now, when they're having breakfast, I hope you see it, you can smell the fish cooking. Can you smell it? 
He's on the beach, and the worst day ever has just happened, and the disciples run away, everybody scatters. All of the stuff that we hoped and dreamed for in this life of following Jesus is gone in an instant. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up on the beach cooking fish, and he asks his disciples, come hang out with me. Wait, wait a minute. We, we, just, we just buried you. You were dead. All hope was lost. Everything was gone. They went back to fish. And I hope you realize that when when it didn't turn out the way that they thought it would, they went right back to what they were doing when Jesus found them. Okay, that's a good place right now for us to examine our heart, because there are times in your life when you may not get what you want or things don't turn out the way that you wanted them to turn out. The question is, are you going to keep following? Are you going to go right back to what you were doing when he found you? And Jesus, knowing that they had run back to what they did before they met him, met them on the beach and says, I knew exactly where you're going to be because I know you. I know that when things didn't turn out the way that you thought, you would go right back to what you want to do. Here's the good news. Let's have some church. Even though I turn my back on Jesus and I walk away and I go right back to what I used to be, he still comes after me and finds me right where he found me the last time and says, I still want to be with you. It doesn't matter what mistakes you made. He's always in hot pursuit of your heart. And he shows up at the beach and finds them doing exactly what they were doing when he found them. And he pulls Peter to the side and says, do you love me? See, this is really interesting. Because while the others are over there eating all the fish, because y'all know how it is. You, you, can't, you can't let anybody make a plate before you make a plate. He pulls Peter aside and says, do you love me? The text says three times he asked Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs. Verse 16, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And then John, the gospel writer says, and Peter got hurt. He got offended. We talked about being offended, didn't we? He was was struggling. And some scholars believe that perhaps the three times are considered to be a mirror into Peter's three denials. Y'all remember that? When Jesus says, before the rooster crows, you're going to act like you don't know me three times. And if you read the text, it says a young girl, like Peter was so angry, a middle school girl caused him to cuss. You remember the story after they took Jesus and the girl says, hey, there's one of his followers there. And Peter says, I don't know. I don't know him. I'm not with him. No, no, you're from Galilee. You speak like one of them Galileans. I swear I saw you with Jesus. And Peter says, no, that wasn't me. You got me mistaken with somebody else. Third time girl says, "Uh, man, I'm sure it was you. I even saw on Facebook y'all had a picture together. (laughs) You and Jesus in your profile pic, brother, that's you. And the Bible says that Peter started cussing a little girl out. He became indignant because he wanted to act like, and then the rooster crowed and he realized Jesus was right. Before sun up, Jesus says, you're going to turn your back on me and act like you didn't know me. So some scholars believe that Jesus asked him three times to remind Peter of the three times that he denied him. Like, do, do you love me? I know you say you do, but come on, let's come on, Pete. It's just me and you, man. All the other disciples are over there on the side. It's just me and you, eye to eye, nose to nose. Like, for real, let's talk about this. Do you love me? Or did you love how I increased your fishing business? Or did you love how I healed your mother-in-law? 
Or did you love how you got a little bit of status when you were following me around? Do you love me? And what's interesting about this dialogue, because you can't catch it in English, is that there are two different words used for love. So when Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Jesus says, Peter, do you agape me? Is your love for me unconditional? Well, we already know the answer to that, don't we? Because he's the first one who did deny him and walk away from him. And, and Peter answers, watch this. Yes, Lord, I filio you. That ain't what I asked you. You ever ask somebody something, they answer, you know how it is when you ask your kids, like, like my kids, you know, something, a tussle will be going on, and then I'll bring them downstairs, and they say, oh, this one hit me, and I say, well, what happened? Well, he, I said, I didn't ask you what he did. I asked you what you did. Peter, do you agape me? Second time. Peter says, yes, Lord, I filio you. Jesus says, do you love me unconditionally? Peter says, yeah, I, I got a fond affection for you. It's almost like Peter friend-zoned Jesus. Like, like, I love you, Peter. Do you love me back? Yeah, we're cool. I think we're good friends. Peter kind of spiritually put Jesus in the friend zone. Like, like, like yeah, I understand this unconditional thing, and, and he's struggling with it. He says, I, I feel you. I, I have a fond affection, a brotherly love. There, there's definitely a bond between us, but he couldn't seem to get himself to fix his lips to say, I love you unconditionally. And then Jesus asks him a third time. He says, Peter, do you, watch this, filio me? It's almost like he dropped the standard from agape to filio. And maybe it's because Jesus realizes something about Peter that he also realizes about us, that we have this tendency to fall in love, but we struggle with following in love. Can, can I just tell you something? Because, because falling in love with God, let's be honest, it's easy. Do something that works for me. Hand me something I've been praying for. Fix something that needs to be fixed. Man, the service was awesome. The energy in the room was great. I felt something. And then the next week, I'm back fishing again. And can I just say something? Especially in the Western church, one of our struggles is, is that we come in every week. And I want you to come every week, by the way. Because we need to get a fix. Because I get it on Sunday, and then Monday I'm back fishing again. And by Saturday, I need something else to pump me up so I head to church so that I can show God that I'm fond of him. That wasn't the question, though. The question was, do you love me the same way I love you. And isn't it interesting that when Jesus realized and Peter realized that I really honestly can't answer the question the way that you love me, I can't be honest and say that I love you just the way that you love me, Jesus says, okay, let's start here. Do you, filio, you have a fond affection? Because I think what we don't understand is that when it comes to love, Falling in love, let's be honest, for those of us who've been in love, it's a matter 
I don't want to offend anybody, but can I just be honest with you? Falling in love is a matter of chance. Isn't it? Like you spend enough time with the right person and one or both parties are going to start catching feelings. You know what I'm talking about. That's why you got to be careful when you're at work and hanging out with people who's not your spouse. Because falling in love, the way that we love as human beings, is really just a matter of chance. You were at the right place at the right time, and the person said the right thing. Come on now, anybody in here ever fall in love with somebody who was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, and you didn't realize that because you thought on the outside that, come on now, I know she's cute, but she's crazy. And you're like, oh, I'm in love. And then a year later, you're like, man, she's she crazy. He crazy. How do I get out of this? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all shake your head. Don't raise your hand. Let's be honest. Isn't this a matter of chance? It's like, oh, yeah, look at her, look at him. They did something nice for me, went on a date. That's kind of how we, in our human heart, try to love God with this fondness. And it's this struggle. And if we're going to be honest with each other, let's just be honest. Falling in love the way that we do it, it's just a matter of chance. There's no science to it. It's not an art to it. You spend enough time with somebody, and they do enough nice stuff for you, and then all of a sudden you fall for them. And whether or not it works out or not, you fail. So I tell people, I don't, I don't want anybody to fall in love because when you fall, you hurt yourself. <laughs> Y'all catch that on Tuesday. <laughs> it's, it's just a matter of, of chance. But, but can I just tell you this? Falling in love and following in love are distinguished by choice, not chance. Because Jesus asked Peter this question that he's asking each one of us. We celebrated, man, it was awesome last week. Everything was great. But here's a question that we need to ask ourselves now. Has this just become my fix? Did I, did I fall for God? And, and that's great because, because you need to have that attraction to Jesus. There needs to be an attraction for who Jesus is. But that's not the question that Jesus is asking. He's saying, I don't want this to be a matter of chance. You just happen to like me because I did something. You just happen to fall for me because everything went right for you. You just happen because you went into the right church on the right Sunday. You just happen to fall for me because the preacher said the right thing or the instrumentalist hit the right chord and you walk down the aisle. You know what I'm talking about when you were younger. You just happen to fall in. He says, but what I want is not a love by chance. I want a love that's a choice. That I choose to love you. See, even in the Bible days, and people think this is strange, I had a professor from India, so he's from the Eastern culture, and he talked about arranged marriages, and, you know, in the West, where we're super individualized, we don't want nobody telling us what to do. And, you say, and I, I remember I brought this up to somebody one time about arranged marriages. Pastor, I don't want nobody telling me. I said, well, look, you didn't pick good the first time. <laughs> you might need some help picking your next spouse. I understand the whole concept of arranged marriages because you had a community of people who helped you to decide because don't nobody know you better than your mama and your daddy. Now, he ain't the one. I'm on the lookout right now. I got three boys. Trust me, I can spot them a mile away. No, you're going to have to come through me first. We're going to do a little bit of negotiation. We're going to do a little bit of investigation here. You got to have some people because in their culture, they understood, watch this, that love was a choice. It didn't happen by chance. Well, Pastor, we got chemistry. Chemistry is for the classroom. <laughs> Love is a choice. That's why Jesus, all throughout the Gospels, God commands us to love. 
I want you to choose this way of life. Choose to love. Choose to love your brother and sister. Watch this. Choose to love people who are different from you. Choose to love people who don't even love you back. It's a choice. It's not by chance. Peter, do you love me? Like, are you choosing me? And three times he asked this question because it's a shift from just merely falling in love, and that's, that's good, to following in love. Did you catch what Jesus says at the end of that little discourse? He talks about the fact that, Peter, uh, when you're young, you kind of do what you want. Did you catch that? He says when you get older... There's going to be somebody who's going to lead you by, put on your belt and lead you by your hand. In other words, as you grow and as you mature, you have to now not just fall in love. You've got to let love lead you. I'm following in love. This is a daily choice. And what Jesus does is he points to Peter's potential for real love. That's what's so great about this story of God uniting with a group of people. You, you can see this in the book of Job. And a lot of times we were taught when we, when we studied the book of Job that, that Satan was testing Job. Anybody ever heard that before? Can I just tell you the real purpose of the book? Satan was not testing Job. Satan was testing God. Here, here's the synopsis of the story. This is this is God saying that I'm going to prove to you that humans can love me the same way I love them. He says, Satan comes up to God. Okay, Mr. God, did you ever notice that it says that uh, God was having a board meeting and then Satan showed up? Can, can I just tell you that, that, that even though uh, he's running around here, he's still got somebody to answer to. Okay, some of y'all just missed that. Because he had to show up and report what he was doing. And Satan said, I'm just kicking my regular. You know, I'm messing up marriages. Uh, I'm messing with people's finances. I'm messing with people's children. You know, I'm just, I'm doing my thing. And then uh, he says, but let me say something to you, God. Here's what I learned about this human experiment. You know how you made these people uh, in your image and then you claim that they can love you? He says, here's, here's my challenge to you, Mr. God. I think humans only love you because you give them stuff. And I bet you, if you take that stuff away, you'll find out that they don't have the capacity to love you the same way you love them. God says, have you considered my boy Job? Yeah, Job is an upright man. He ain't perfect, but he does everything. The Bible says Job every day used to pray and ask God for forgiveness of sins for his children, for sins they didn't even commit yet. Like Job was just a righteous guy. And God says, you know what? Bet. It's on. Go down there. And you can mess with Job, and you can do everything you want to him, but you can't kill him. And Satan goes down, messes up his entire life. You read the story before. And then even Job's wife told him, why don't you curse God and die? And Job says, should I only take the good from God and not be willing to walk through the bad experiences of life? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Naked I was born, and naked I returned. And that just ticked Satan off, and he went back to God. And God says, go back and mess with him again. You can take his family. You can take his children. And Job refused to give up on God no matter how hard his life got. You know what God was trying to prove? Watch this. That you and I have the potential to love him unconditionally. And when he asked Peter, do you love me? He says, look, I know this is a challenge. So let's just start where you are. Do you filio me? 
Because what he's doing, he's, he's, he's showing Peter that there's this huge gap between where you are and where you need to be. But Peter, I believe in you, man. So, sometimes people ask me, why should I believe in God? And I say, because in a strange sort of way, God believes in you. See, unconditional love can only be proven in undesirable conditions. The only way that I know that you love me is when I don't have a penny to my name and you're still calling me. When I can't do nothing for you and you still come on. You know you have people like that in your life that when you don't have anything, those are the people who still have your back. You want to know who really loves you? Find somebody in your life that you can't do anything for and they still hang with you. And Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Unconditionally. Peter says, man, I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I, I feel you. Jesus says, here's what we're going to do. Let's start with where you are. Let's, let's, because I know that this unconditional thing is hard, but I believe in you, Pete. So the last time he asked me, he says, do you feel it? Do you at least have a fond affection? Are you at least tight with me? Do you at least see yourself doing life with me? Do you at least see yourself doing life for me and doing it with me? Do you at least see yourself there? And Peter says, yeah, I love you. And Jesus says, that's perfect. Let's start where you are. You know what? Well, that's good. This is a good place to get your shout if you into that. Because God always meets you where you are. That he knows that your love is incomplete and inconsistent. And he knows that I'm struggling to love him. There's a huge gap between how I should love him and what I'm doing right now. He says, let's start where you are. I'm never going to turn my back on you. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, you're not quite there yet, but I believe that you can love me unconditionally. That is what this great human experiment has been all about. That I created you to be loving to the place where you can finally love me the same way I love you. He says, do you love me? See, if I can't answer that question, it's still good news. Because we, we demonstrate, watch this, our love not by being flawless. We demonstrate our love by being followers. Because Jesus says, you know what? Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Just, just follow me. I know you're not there yet, but I believe in you. I know you're not there. I know you messed up last week. I know you messed up last night. I know you messed up. I know your love is not flawless, but just keep following. Keep pushing. Keep praying. Keep following. Whatever you do, don't stop now. Keep following me. And one day, watch what Jesus says. You will, you will have someone who will stretch out your hands and others and they will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. If you go on to read, he says that Jesus said this to indicate by Peter by which death he should die that will glorify God. In other words, Jesus is saying to Pete, I know you don't have it all together now, but here's what I want you to do. Watch this. Decide it even before you can demonstrate it. I can't love you, God, like you love me, but I'm going to make a decision to not just fall in love, to follow in love. And I'm going to decide it even before I can demonstrate it. And Jesus goes on to say, Pete, if you stay on this course, here's how your life is going to end up. One day you are going to be willing to give your life for me the same way I gave my life for you. That's some crazy love right there. That one day, Pete, you're going to be willing to die for me the same way I died for you. And I know you're not there right now, 
but don't give up. Some of us in the sound of my voice, you almost gave up on God because you felt like you made a mistake that God can't forgive. He will meet you on the beach. And even though you went back to fishing, he says, come on, let's try it again. No matter how many times you fall down, get back up because one day God says, if you just keep following, then one day you will be willing to give your life for me the same way I gave my life for you. Do you love me? Maybe not where you need to be. Don't give up. Show up every week. Keep praying. Keep giving. Keep serving. I fall down, dust yourself back up. Let's do it again, baby. Keep pushing. Keep praying. And one day, something's going to happen to your heart, Jesus says, where you will be willing to do exactly for me what I did for you. Can I encourage you this morning before I pray? We make so many mistakes. Our love, Jesus knows when he asks, do you love me unconditionally? He knows the answer to that. Don't let that stop you from following. Decide it even before you can demonstrate it. I'm going to choose to love you, God, no matter how hard life gets. No matter how many times I fall down, I'm going to get back up again. I'm going to keep following until one day you transform my heart to the point where I'm willing to die for you the same way you died for me. That's the faith journey that we're on. Nobody's perfect. But God's going to find you right where you are and encourage you. Watch this. Because he believes that you can do it. That's why he gave up his son. Because he would rather give up his son than to give up on you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your passionate love for us. And even though we may not even be at the place where we can honestly say that we love you unconditionally because we've made some mistakes, we've stopped praying, we've stopped giving, we stopped serving when times got hard, and maybe there's been times where we went back to fishing when things didn't work out the way that we thought. But God, we are thankful that you still come after us, you find us, you dust us off, and you say, let's try it again. And so, God, I'm thankful that you are a God who's unconditional, even when my love has conditions. But you believe that we're able to do it. And you've given up your son, Jesus, as a sign to Satan that no matter how many times they fall, I'm going to pick them back up and we're going to keep walking this walk together until one day they will be willing to give their life for me the same way I gave my life for them. God, I thank you for a crazy radical love that never gives up on us. And so, God, help us to close that gap between where I am and where I need to be. Because we know, God, that the only thing that can close that gap is your mercy and your grace. God, we thank you so much for being the type of God who believes that we can love you the same way you love us. Now, as we prepare to observe communion, God, help us to be individuals who take this as a moment to reset where I've fallen away. Help this to be a new moment for me to get back up and to follow you again until my heart is changed. Help us to decide it even before we can fully demonstrate it. God, we thank you and we love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.